this is Mary H.K. Choi, and you're listening to Hey, Cool Job, a podcast about jobs. My guests today are Larissa Pham, poet, activist, and author of Fantasian, a work of speculative erotica, as well as a writer for Guernica, The Nation, and New York Magazine, among others. Hi, Larissa. Hi. Hi. So my other guest is Alice Wilder, a former intern at NPR and previously an intern at 538. I'm in love with my So I'm really, really stoked about this conversation, and thank you for coming. Um, so I know I just briefly did like the most TLDR intro of y'all, but I want to ask a few things so everyone has a better idea of like who you are and where you're coming from. Larissa, I'm going to make you go first. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. So you do a lot of different shapes and mm-hmm. flavors of writing, and i you know, this is a part where I'm just like, this is what I love about you. But um, what I love about you most is that the work you do is really incisive, yet can be dreamy at times. And you're really, really sprawling in your interests. Um, and I think like the tweet, you tweeted this really recently that most exemplifies your work <laughs> is file your piece so you can write a poem. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like this brain and then this brain and then this check. But this is where my heart is. Um so you've written about race, class, BDSM, feminism, and you've also written, written about eating disorders and mental health. And you started writing professionally at around like 2014, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, getting used to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I came up on the internet, um, sort of like Kiesi Lemon, Gawker, Sunday Essay, mm. like era. Right. Um, so yeah, 2013, 2014. Okay, so you're like kind of starting out, but you're fully in it. Yeah, okay. I'm like I'm like one of those like young writers who like got in the door before like medium mm. and before people, <laughs> you know, like before before you like were supposed to write for free everywhere. Right. Like we were writing for free, but because that was just what you did, not like Huffington Post. Like now you write for free. Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, I think that demarcation is like really specific, but actually like kind of emblematic of like the pocket in which you came in mm-hmm. so yeah. um so what's the day-to-day of your work life like right now um well actually speaking of jobs I am about to leave mine um so I for the last two years or so have been working in messaging and communications okay. at um a nonprofit in New York City called the New York City Anti-Violence Project um and so my work there I was there three to four days a week um so it was part-time but I was basically doing a lot of news monitoring, um, a lot of like behind the scenes messaging, a lot of like um, sort of like on background calls with reporters to make sure they didn't mess things up. Right. Um, when it cu- comes to like reporting about like sexual violence and especially violence against LGBTQ people. Um, so the bulk of my work week is actually pretty deeply entrenched in trauma um, and like sort of political work. Um, so there's like that and then everything else is like passion projects and then like a couple checks that I'm like always chasing. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm basically always working. So how, how much pitching do you do at this point? Like what is your like email metabolism like? like oh my how- God. <laughs> I'm really bad at pitching. Okay. I'm so bad at it that I usually just like, I will like usually write something 
and sell it. Or honestly, at this point, most of my things are assignments. No, because that's a kind of nice thing about the work that you've done. I've, mm-hmm. I've just spoken on how um, broad it can be, but people sort of know what pockets to come to you for. Yeah, it's it's nice to have been like I've I've written a lot of things that um, maybe now looking back on it, like I definitely wrote essays and I wrote op-eds and things that maybe I wouldn't do now, but I'm glad that like I kind of established myself in those areas in order to have like, oh, like here's my takes. Like if you want more takes like that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. like it's, it's it's out there. Um, And I also, someone actually asked me this. They were like, Larissa, like everything you write really sounds like you. And I was like, yeah, it does. It's because I don't know how to write like house style. No, <laughs> I can't either. Like, um, so I, that's why. No, me, me neither. Like anytime I've written for the New York Times, I'm like, this sh- sentence that you're asking me to write is like very short. Cause, yeah. Like, unless like, I'm like, does it have nine gerunds? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Where like everything is like so many clauses. Um, so media is obviously constantly in flux. I mean, we were just talking about this very specific entry point that you had. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of my generation, I mean, and, you know, actually probably a little younger than me, to be honest, cut their teeth at Gawker and like at the all mm-hmm. and all of these places don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you felt that sort of, um, contraction or if there were other things taking place of these things that maybe like mm-hmm. I'm not up on or that's a good question I mean um, this is like gonna this is gonna sound a little inflammatory but I actually attribute Gawker the all and the air the hairpin to everyone kind of writing the same way mm, now sure. I think those like I I obviously like have published there um, but I do think that that sort of like contemporary online bloggy voice did originate at those places and it's been interesting to see that sort of like percolate into like different um, publications that you like wouldn't expect to see that style in and so I'm like I'm just interested in like watching that and I'm wondering like what's going to happen now. No, actually, that's a really good point. I never really thought about my voices being washed as fuck. But basically, no, like, actually, no, 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 it's super valid. Like, I am definitely of a time. And actually, that's why I don't, I don't write a lot anymore. Like, specifically, because similarly, like, with me, like, I'm like, I want to write a book and, like, just noodle on that for a really, really long time Mm -hmm. versus kind of doing that same sort of, like, tap dance everywhere, which I was doing, you know, I think that like I don't know like 2010 or whatever Mm, I mean even between like 2010 and 2012 like there were so there's there are distinct styles of writing like um like I think having been on the race beat like you'll see um this is like deep deep um like internet but like I feel like Gawker and Jezebel were really into like what is privilege for Mm. like a couple years and then everyone got a hold of that so then that voice changed and no one writes that way anymore. If you like go back to like, you know, like Gaka circa like 2010, like mm-hmm. no one, no one writes a political like sort of screed like that anymore. Like sure. the take is different. And I think it's changing now too. Like people are realizing that like you can't just like make an argument on style alone. Um, we just covered a lot of ground. <laughs> we did, we did, I'm like but... thinking about that now. I'm like, wow. No, and like we we, we're going to cover a lot of ground. So Alice, what is your day to day like right now? Um, well, I finished my internship at Planet Money on Friday. Okay. So and today is Wednesday. 
right? I love that you don't know because that's giving me some indication of like where you're at. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One of my friends texted me yesterday and was like, "Hey, I just wanted to check in and like see how you were doing. Like, let me know if you need anything. Like, as if I had had a personal emergency." <laughs> And I was like, I mean, I'm just, like, underemployed. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but she's also kind of right. So the past two days, I've been just, like, getting up late and going to a coffee shop and working on a project um, or, like, catching up on research for a project I'm working on at 30 for 30. Okay. Um, but otherwise, I've just been, like, writing and reading more. And I sent out a pitch today. And yeah. I'm, I don't know. It feels like a very weird new world. So how long were you at, like, Planet Money? Um, I started second week of September. Okay, so mm-hmm. was that a paid internship? Yes, it was. Okay, yes. Do not do unpaid internships. Never. You you just wrote about this in Fantasia when it's, like, the oh, very yeah. beginning, the beginning. Like, Astrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to just go on about your book. But, um, no, like, never take a paid Mm-mm. unpaid internship. Mm-mm. Why? Because they're getting something out of it. And unless it's the only unpaid internship I did was in college and it was for college credit and it was at the rape crisis center mm-hmm. and like it was part of my class and so I mean it's it's hard to argue of like you know the rape crisis center should get money to pay 18 year old me instead of paying you know for other services that they offer like that's the only unpaid internship um, I've done it's like there's a million reasons to not do it because it keeps people out of media who are already being blocked out of media. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can afford to take an unpaid internship, then you're going to move up a lot faster and it's everything will just continue to get more fucked. Yeah. So politically it's like fucking unpaid. Internship. Yeah. Yeah. Like totally. say no. And like, basically it's a little bit like being a scab. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's really true. Like, don't, don't, don't legit fuck this up for everyone who doesn't have a trust fund. Like, that's just messed up. Because mm-hmm. you're eager. Like, yeah. So, um, how did you sustain yourself while working there? Because obviously, like, even with a paid internship, was it like a livable wage? No, I didn't get paid a living wage. Um, <laughs> um, no, NPR does not pay. The, it's not a living wage in New York. It is in D.C. And most of their interns are in D.C., but we all get paid the same. What's the differential on that, though? By like a dollar, I think. Okay, so like what were you I was getting paid, paid $12.50 an hour. How did you sustain yourself while working there? Um, I had um, my parents supported me and like paid for part of my rent um, for like the first year that I'm out of school, which is like part of the deal. So I am in that like privileged class of people who can move to New York having a safety net. Um, I also saved money in college and worked two jobs. Um junior and senior year and so i built up a like fuck you fund Mm -hmm. um which i I guess i took that article like to heart a lot um (laughs) but basically just you know i didn't study abroad or do anything like i just stayed in town over the summer um and like didn't i don't know not a lot of like instagram vacations yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) i'm not saying i was like being like frugal or like going through hardship it was just like you know i think i at a certain point, I realized I was going to be moving to New York and was like, okay, I need to, like, adjust my life. Okay. And what would you ideally like to do next? Um, I would like to be a producer on a podcast. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like podcasting is still, like, I mean, it's not, like, new-new, but it's still, like, hot and on and popping. Um, mm. <laughs> are there a lot of potential places to work, or is it one of these things where it's, like, there's two places, basically? There's a lot of potential places to work, Um but it's hard to 
like people are kind of squeamish about hiring anyone full time because they don't want to commit to a new person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of like temp jobs and there's a lot of part time things. It's harder to get a full time thing unless you have like built up a resume and a base of connections where you have enough people to vouch for you. Okay, so this question actually is for both of you. Um, Do you guys feel at this point that you're plugged into any sort of, like, infrastructure or, like, collegial framework? Mm, That's – I think my my career has been characterized by my opting out of most frameworks. So do you feel like a sellsword floating in the ether? Like, what are we well, talking about? No, it's interesting. Like, I, I was thinking about this on my way here because I was wondering if we were, like, how much we were going to talk about, like, you know, like, Me Too and, like, workplace harassment because I was telling my colleague in the elevator, I was like, you know, like, I've never worked at a media company. Like, I've never gone into an office. I've never managed to get a job in New York media. So I really don't know what that's like. Mm. Um, and to a, to a degree, I think um, it's insulated me somewhat. Um, from a lot of the stuff, like just like a lot of media drama just doesn't really reach me. Do you, um, do you hang out with media people? I, I do. I do. But I think, I think I have like a sort of buffer between it and myself. Cause like my paycheck isn't coming from like Vox, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not dependent on, yeah. on it as much. Um, but now that I'm freelancing, I'll be dependent on it in a different way. But I think. That being said, like, yeah, I do have friends in media, like Jenna Wortham and I, like, were at a retreat together that which like, which was like an ostensibly literary thing. But like media followed us there, like the shitty men list sort mm-hmm. of like broke as we were in house. Like, um, like there, there is a network that I do feel part of, but it's interesting because I also really treasure the fact that I have been able to move alongside it. Has that been yeah. deliberate? Um, I think... Yes and no. I think I'm not very good at, like, being nice to people <laughs> that, like, or not being nice. I don't I don't think I'm good at, like, making small talk. Yeah. And I think that has kept me out of a lot of certain sort of structures. But I don't I don't think that that's a bad thing. I, ha- yeah. I actually have a really similar experience <laughs> in that, like, I never know people's bylines. And if I do, on the off chance that I do know your byline, I never know what your face looks like. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have my own face next to any of my social avatars, like, fairly deliberately. Mm-hmm. And so I say that as if I'm not on television. But, um, like, I, I, if people are introduced to me and I've never met them before, like, if I know their work, it's never it's. I'm never like, oh, my God, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, you and I are strangers, and now we are meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like when someone has an expectation that I know who they are. Oh, or, that's so weird. Yeah, but you feel it. And it, yeah. it's it's really strange because I think that New York media can be a little bit um, intense like that. Um, Alice, do you feel like you have an infrastructure? Yeah, and so like two of my – Two best friends um, moved to New York at around the same time as me and both, like, work in media. And in some ways it's great because it feels like I have this group of people who are, like, on my side and understand what it's like. And it's, you know, it's hard when with your work friends to be able to tell, like, if it's competitive. Like, can you tell mm-hmm. them that you're applying for a job? Because what if they're applying for it, too? And, you know, so it's nice to have people who you know are on your team. 
Um, but I, since I moved here, I've been like really, really, really cherishing my friends from back home who aren't in media because it's like, Jesus, like it's nice to have some perspective. Of, Where like, are you from? Um, North Carolina and like okay. Louisiana. Where are you from, Larissa? I'm from Oregon, Portland. Okay. Yeah. So, so like two of my best friends who I talk to every day, like one is going to be a marine biologist and the other one is probably going to like work in politics in some level. But like. You know, we just talk about books. We don't talk about, like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going on with the BuzzFeed podcast team? Like, why is everyone leaving right now? What <laughs> intel do you have? Like, and it's, and it's no, nice sure. to like, get out of your head like that. And also the really nice thing is that with marine biology and, like, politics, it's, like, they're not even kind of, like, ancillary media yeah. So it's not even, like, this hierarchy of, like, well, like, I'm in film. And you're, mm-hmm. like, well, you know, like, mm-hmm. da 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 So that's actually really great because even when you are removed from it, And even if you do have, like, cronies who are, like, hardcore your people, like, there is a sense of, like, hard scrabble Mm zero-sumness vibes that can, like, permeate, I think, like, certain relationships. Um, So are you guys both in a place where you actively worry about paying rent? No. Not yet. Okay. And, and, and it, but, but is your no not yet or is it? Um, yeah, it's a it's a not yet. Okay. Well, how much how much like runway do you have? Um, like a couple of months. Okay. Okay. What about you, Larissa? I yeah, I actually have like a lot in savings, which I'm really like like I I've been I was planning to like leave this job for a long time. Mm-hmm. So like when I moved apartments, like I like got the smallest room, and like I've been like saving, but I'm also planning on traveling a lot. So so you manage your burn rate, though, pretty yeah, actively. Yeah, and, and I've been, like, my, my rent now is just, like, manageable enough that, like, I'm, like, okay, like, if I just take on, like, a couple assignments, like, I can just, like, put it away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I think we'll all agree that it's a fucking weird time to be a woman in media. <laughs> and, like, I personally, and I've been in this industry for 15, 16 years, I'm having a tough time post-Weinstein and post-shitty media men list. I mean, that's been tough for me personally just because it's been kind of, like, triggering Mm -hmm. but they don't affect me actually feeding myself like I can be super no new friends and still like be okay and I was wondering if that was like the case for you guys like basically I think it's a really weird time to be Mm -hmm. entering the job market Mm -hmm. Alice oh my god yeah I've been I've been worrying a lot lately um talking to other women about like like, you just have these talks with your friends where you're just, like, trading stories, and it's just like, oh, my God, that's so fucked up. I can't believe he said that to you. I can't believe that happened. You know, I can't believe everyone thinks this organization is this way when it's actually this way. Like, every woman in media has that story. And then, like, the question of, like, well, why don't we burn it all down is, like, well, because we're young and we need jobs. Yeah. And we don't want to be associated. I don't want to be associated as like a troublemaker and like if you take her on you're taking on a risk that like she's gonna start shit do you feel like people are like treating you like a radioactive isotope because you are like a young woman not yet but i mean i do feel on the level of like i can feel male coworkers being like afraid to like touch me like good which is good which is good be afraid yes (laughs) no but don't you think it's kind of weird like that whole meme of keanu reeves like and that fan and he's got hover hand where his like hand is like six Mm -hmm. inches away from the small of her back which i understand but the other side of that is is that it sort of assumes that men have no idea how to treat us and like is that good is that but to me it's like kind of infantilizing for men i'm like listen buddy like 
I know you know. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, even if it's like not touching, like after all this stuff broke at NPR, like you could feel. Give mm -hmm. us the TLDR on what broke at NPR. Um, <laughs> God, I don't know how to say this without becoming like radioact. I have um, just two high up men in yeah. the newsroom were fired yeah. for like a long history of sexual harassment mm -hmm. during yeah. my internship. I mean, th so that was my, it felt more immediate because those meetings were happening and I was in the room. Yeah. And um, so I guess, do you guys feel like there's just a bunch of olds kind of treating you guys? And I know you guys are at different points in your career, but like you, you they're, they're, the generational sort of conversation does put you guys in like one flank and like people like me and another. And I was wondering, like, do you feel otherized by the conversation sort of occurring around you within media? I think it's most prevalent and like just these really, really um, uncomfortable like op-eds, like, uh, like Caitlin Flanagan yeah. piece in, what was it, The Atlantic. Atlantic. And then like Barry Weiss, like who God. should not be at The New York Times. Um, like I think those sorts of decisions, which are like happening within a larger institutional framework, like I see those as like working more counter to any kind of real change in media than um, maybe like more generational differences. Um, because I think as far as like, conversations with women go just like anecdotally like I feel like a lot of us are really on the same page hardcore on the same yeah, page like I don't I don't I think it's more of a structural thing and actually yeah. that's the part that confuses me it's like there are so many sort of like um systemic issues and mm -hmm. industry-based issues and you know you've written about this in terms of like institutional racism at Yale for mm -hmm. example like I don't know why so many of the conversations have to be putting a building in between women versus just like women having conversations. Like that's the part, like the fact that like everyone wants to put their opinion through the SEO internet machine mm -hmm. to reach other women is mm -hmm. just like really confusing for me mm -hmm. because I mean, it's for cool girl points. I feel like, yeah, yeah like Katie Rife or yeah. like it's no, totally. Yeah. And those, those are like, they're like, undead like zombie feminists who just like <laughs> return every so often and they're like turfs and they're weird and they're like really retrograde and so you feel like this is like feminism like necromancy happening it feels like it a little bit no it's true and you actually know? the thing that i that's also really sort of alienating is i'm just like why do we have to unearth the expositional screed on oh. what wave of feminism we're at and yeah. what reaction to the action to the reaction we're at? Because that's the other thing. It's like, are we trying to make this boring or just like very exhausting? Like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I personally have reached a little bit of a point where I'm just ready to actually talk to people and like look at their eyeballs with my eyeballs and mm -hmm. have conversations um, so yeah, you guys are characterized as like feckless yet strident, like active yet confused. Ugh. Like it's all this like stuff and, yeah. and it's a pretty broken conversation. And I was wondering, and, and this is relating to work. Um, we'll talk about like ethical sex and all that shit later, but what do you think is like fundamentally broken about the conversation? I mean, you mentioned cool points, Alice, and I think mm -hmm. that that's definitely part of it like the incentives built into some of this reporting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like there is, like, totally room for different perspectives on these issues, but that's not what I'm seeing in the, like, Barry Weiss, like, you know why don't you all just calm down and, like, be smart like I was? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I've, I know there's, I have friends who I disagree with on some, like, fine points, and I think that's fine, but, like, there's this other through line of, like, look at me, I'm so chill, and... So you think it's, like, a thing where, like, people are, like, I'm... They're, they're still trying to, like, buy into the, like, I'm cool thing, or, like, I'm, like, a cool chick, or, like, I'm, like... A hard scrabble, rough around the edges, like d- broad. It wouldn't happen to me because I'm, like, I, I would. I don't know. I feel like there's like the I'm the cool chick aspect of it. Of like, I'm not. I'm chill. I'm not going to get mad at you. And then there's the other thing of like, well, that would never happen to me because I'm like rough around the edges, and I, you know, people know not to fuck with me. Right. Which is like insulting to people who've just like been raped and yeah, assaulted like, and all that. Yeah. Stuff. No, up. Actually, for yeah. me personally, my personal. Um, experience has been like the more sort of combative and opinionated I am, the more frequently I am tested with um, like basically a dude trying to like alpha roll me in a really aggressive and sexual manner. Like I feel like it's weird. Like they're like, Oh, you can take it. And they always, they're like velociraptors at the electrified fence for some reason. Oh my I'm, God. Like, I'm like, Whoa, like that's wild. I do think that that conversation can be incredibly insulting. Yeah, um, going back to what you were saying a little bit, too, I think um, part of it is also just, like, this real scarcity mentality Mm. um, within media where it's just, like, you have to be cool and you have to, like, not be messy. Messy. Um, Like, you have to be, like, not a problem because there's so few positions available for people like you, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're a woman of color, that you end up sort of like reiterating the status quo, trying to maintain your position in a structure that like inherently is like stacked against you. Totally. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really um, good point. And actually when the Weinstein stuff happened, and it's so incredible to me that it was, it was October because it feels like a year and a half like ago. So, uh, so I know. Like, Ten years. I know. <laughs> Died and came back to life. Mm-hmm. I know. And like for me, you know, you said messy and – I think that that's when I felt like I had to actually be honest about my own self-interrogation because mm-hmm. I've thrown so much shade historically to women who I deemed messy. And I've been in positions to hire people. I've been in positions to hire new people. And I was like pretty – and I've, I've worked in a lot of industries that are, you know, male-dominated, a.k.a. industry. And – um <laughs> And I've definitely, like, been judgy about messy quotient. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, I'm like, yo, it's kind of fucked up because I guarantee those people are just, like, abused Mm -hmm. or, like, people are abusing them and talking shit about them. And, like, and that was, like, such a, like, my soul left my body. I was like, holy shit, I am definitely implicit in, like, a really big way. And I I think that, like, happens all across media, too. Like, it's such, um, it's it's weird. I think, I wonder if part of it is just, like, the requisite that, like, we all perform ourselves as people as well as, Mm. like, people who make things. Like, everyone has a Twitter. Yeah. um, Which is just so disastrous for so many of us. Um, But, 
yeah, like, wait, I lost my train of thought a little bit, just like <laughs> thinking about how bad Twitter is. God, it's also the, the fucking worst. The, the meta narrative of the reverb of like the person driving yourself and the person that you are and the person mm. that's making yourself, you're like, it's very yeah. easy to lose your train of thought. Like, I feel you. Like performance yeah. studies. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, just thinking about like messiness, like it's, it's, it's also on display. Yes. Within this industry, like not even like misconduct, but just like everything is on display in a way that it's not really, I think, in like other other hopefully industry. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what jobs there are. Like, <laughs> I don't know what other jobs there are. So, so I have a question, um, you know, as someone who has felt historically sort of complicit and also just have being kind of exhausted at being mm -hmm. like the cool chick for so long. Um, do you have women who act as advocates and mentors for you guys? Yeah. I mean, you do. Okay. But I'm brand new I, I, for you. Like we've known I each know. other for like, I know, but, but this, the Weinstein thing I feel like has, I was actually, I was listening to whole today, as you know, and there was, <laughs> there was this line that was like, well, it's like a very famous line, but it's just like, if you live through this with me, like it's, mm -hmm. it's that like bonding of like when shit gets really, really bad. Like, I feel like I've had a couple of people who I've met because things have been so intense that like, but like, let me, let me be clear. My drawbridge was not down no. prior to October is what I'm also saying. Well, mm -hmm. so I, yeah, I am very lucky that like up until moving to New York, I think I had only ever worked for women. Um, oh, that's really very rare. Yeah. And that's rad. Yeah. It's yes. Um, and so I had those people who I could call um, mm -hmm. and cry to and text and say, is this normal? Um, and that has, I'm just like so grateful. And so that's how you met your, your like women mentors, like through work and them and working for them. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. What about you, Larissa? Um, I'm such a lone wolf in this universe. Um, how is that going? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I've had like a couple mentors in my life. Um, no one really in media, funnily enough. I've had um, people who took a chance on me and who really opened doors for me, um, like Anna Cecilia Alvarez, uh, who was who writes a lot of places, but she was like for like ten seconds she was an editor at Nerve.com, but she basically got me like an almost year long column that like paid pretty okay, and like she was just like write whatever you want. Um, and that was like this tiny letter or yeah, like this newsletter called come shots, which basically is how I became a thing. Yeah. Like, became a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like 22 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. And my friend, um, was just like, Hey, like, I'm going to give you this. And I don't think she like knew what she was doing. So like there's been things like that, but, um, it's, a, I feel like my relationships now are very like pure. Like I have like a lot of peers and like we're always like comparing rates and like making sure that we're all getting paid and like we're talking to each other about like our taxes and like we're like working on each other's pitches and like mm -hmm. running ideas by each other. But how did you meet these people? Um, good question. Around. Yeah. I, can't, I can't just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, say yeah. that. But like, yeah, like around like I think like when you move to New York, like there's so much like like throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. Mm hmm. And I found that like a lot of media sort of socializing didn't really work that great for me. But there were some people who like we like vibed a lot better. Right. And now we're like DMing and we'll be like, oh, my God, did you see that? But it's, you know, it's what's like, like the going rate right now for like a an 1100 word 
like personal essay oh god in the world i don't know i think isn't the isn't the going rate for like um like a piece of any kind like around like what like 250 i don't know like i have a very different scale that you can always ask me about um yeah i don't because i don't it's been a long time since i sold something like that so what what do you what shaped things do you sell and like right now i'm doing mostly um like reviews and arts and culture coverage Mm -hmm. and then like the occasional like sticky intersectional screed where like someone is like like everyone is like doing something kind of wrong so I like have to correct it (laughs) and then I like write something really fast and then I sell it to like the village voice for $500 and it's like fine okay um but yeah it's 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 I haven't sold a personal essay in a really long time so I don't I don't even know what that market's like anymore and will you soon or are you going to stay in the review lane um there's one essay that I would like to sell. Um, I'm just trying to figure out like the best home for it. Okay. Yeah, because I think at, at a certain point in one's life, you try to stop selling so many personal essays. Yeah, you run out of pounds of flesh to give at the altar of like yeah the everyone, and you start putting them in a book. Yeah, you do. And then you (laughs) like sell the audio and then you parcel it all and then you do the Kindle single on the side hustle. You do all the things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So obviously the appetite for all this like Me Too stuff is like out of control, basically. How much reading of all the things are you guys doing? I've like basically shut it down for myself. Okay. Since when? Oh, God. Um, I mean, on and off since October. <laughs> like, I have to... There's, like, mm-hmm. some weeks where it's better and you can be on Twitter and, like, not totally hate yourself and mm-hmm. the world, yeah. um, which is great. But, um, yeah, I basically... I keep adding to my pocket all of these deep dives of, like, inside all the people who enabled Weinstein and, like, how they mm-hmm. did the reporting. Because in theory, like, I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. But I never read them and delete them and, like, read a romance novel instead. Perfect. Um, or call yeah. my friend. You're like, sex is good. Let me read about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I want to hear people fall in love. Like, let's do yeah. that instead. What about exactly. you, Larissa? Yeah. Um. So my day job requires that I read about violent, um, bias-motivated um, attacks. Uh, that sounds really emotionally <laughs> yeah. expensive. I literally, like, my job, like, I, I work on murder. Like, that's, like, what I do. Um. I'm about to leave. I have two weeks left. Are you leaving because it's just I'm, a lot? I yeah, I, it's it's a mix of things. Like I'm I'm burned out for sure. Like I also am just like just there's like internal things with my department where just like I'm working a lot more than I should be, and I'm like taking on a lot more responsibility for like someone who shouldn't be running a department by herself. Um, How long has this been going on for? Uh. I was I had a boss until September. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have a boss, Oof. so I'm running. Yeah, I've been doing communications for like a mid-size, like a smallish nonprofit for like the last couple months. That's wild, actually. You know, I've been talking to a lot of people that who are in exactly the same boat in yeah. terms of like they are the stopgap for whoever was above them that has been laid off or left, and yeah. they're never they're not getting the promotion mm-hmm. and they're not getting the raise and yeah it's it's just bananas um so are you so you're you're going to be done with that job soon yeah it was a really hard decision to make because i'm 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 leaving 
I'm leaving my agency in the lurch and I and I know that, but I also know that like I just couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. Like I was getting really resentful of the work that I was doing. Yeah. And and you can't you can't go into trauma work like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how does that feel when you're when you can recognize in yourself that you're burnt out like doing trauma work? Well, it's actually there's there's a name for it. It's called vi- vicarious trauma. There's a whole book. It's called like trauma stewardship. Um I actually wrote about this for Cosmo a little while ago. Um, oh, I read that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think it's like a good concept for everyone to sort of know about, which is that like you can experience trauma secondhand. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot. It's happening to all of us right now. Every time we read the news. Um, but I mean, like one of the one of the signs of like one of the symptoms of vicarious trauma is like having a martyrdom complex and I definitely had this moment where I was just like but no one can do this job the way that I can mm-hmm. and it's true that no one can but God, like, that's someone such a will. seductive like yeah. little mm-hmm. mechanism because mm-hmm. then you're just like I'm the best like counselor I'm the best like you know like I'm running this ship like you know and, and if and, not it really, me then who yeah like, it totally yeah. eats you up and like you see it a lot in in sort of like advocacy work actually um, my therapist yeah. has to give me permission to stop reading about trauma because mm-hmm. I was re-triggering myself so much yeah. in trying to find a solution mm-hmm. that it was just this like feedback loop that was just too much and actually, when he gave me permission to stop doing that, like, it, you know, not to not to open that whole agency question up again, uh, up, but like, I was like, oh, my God, I really needed to hear that. And then when I put it down, I just like felt mm-hmm. completely different. There's yeah. like a genre of tweets of like, everyone needs to read this story. It's like, And I've like trained myself it, after like re-traumatizing myself a lot to just respond and be like, fuck you. No, I don't. How like, do you, how do you do that? Like and also like uh, now that I'm like now that I've been doing this a thousand years, you tell me what to do because I'm promoting a book and I don't know yeah. how to not be on Twitter mm-hmm. and it's really like fucking oh, me up. I don't know. I don't know how to not be on Twitter. Do you just like maybe you just have to mute every everything? That'd be amazing, just right? Mute just mute everyone. Like, just your own your own stream. I know that's like the Matrix where it's it's just Morpheus, just white room Morpheus. That's it. Like yeah, yeah I would love to just mute everyone that'd be the best <laughs> yeah i i'm really looking forward to to doing that something that i did do for myself this like last year um especially just like after the election you know yeah, like a- basically after the inauguration like i don't do a ton of policy work but i definitely like keep up on it because um my work wife is our policy person at the agency and like we collaborate a lot um and so, like, yeah, basically since January 20th, like, it's just been nonstop waterfall, like, terrible thing after terrible thing. Um, and so it's gotten to the point where, like, if I'm not in the office, I don't check my phone or my email. Um, and, like, I'll go, like, a whole weekend without being on Twitter. And it's, like, you just have to do it. Do you, f- like, actively feel your brain reorganizing? I feel so, like, free. Really? Like, I just feel healthy. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I feel like, I feel like I drank water. <laughs> it really feels great. It's like a face mask for your heart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is such <laughs> a quotable. Perfect. Like, yeah. That's so perfect. Oh, I need to live your life. Um, I have a question. So do you feel undue pressure or, like, the onus to, like, explain to everyone, like, how to be woke and, like, how to do this and how to, like, everything? Do you feel responsibility to, like, train all of media as to like how to be a non-shitty person. I have like a certain sort of like 
educators been. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like pretty obvious on my feed whenever I'm like in a mood, like I'll like throw out some statistics or like, um, but usually that comes from, I'm not like, I, I don't see it as like my duty or anything, but like if I observe like a lot of people close to me or like if I observe like a phenomenon happening where I think, oh, people maybe would like to know this information, I'll like put it out in a way that like it's sort of like here's like the missing piece of the conversation that like maybe someone wanted right um because that satisfies me (laughs) you know like it's just it's like oh it needs it like it just needs to be out in the world and like everyone maybe wants to say it but no one's saying Mm -hmm. it yet so like let me connect these two things for you um but i mean like also like in very practical terms like um i think it was last summer yeah it was i think it was last summer um there was a string of police shootings and a lot of people were not sure how to talk about um, police violence and um, anti-black racism in America. And so I put together like a guide for people, just like, how do you talk about this if you're not black? And if like, even if you're not white, like how do you talk about this? Right. Um, because I, I was like, here's a way where I can contribute something to a conversation and provide a resource for people without being pushy and using something that I have learned from like this other field that I'm in. Mm -hmm. So that's like kind of where I'm situated. But at this point, like it's not 2010 anymore. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, so do you guys feel any like hostility towards like the olds how old are we talking? You like, know, like which old? These like zombie feminists mm. and even like people my age. Like I think the only time I really feel hostility is when when their politics seem so counter to any kind of like productive conversation. Like I'm thinking in particular of the Caitlin Flanagan piece. Like how just like it was divisive so divisive and, and attacky and, and mean and like so mean and also just like not and also not kind of good racist like oh, yeah that ending super racist so racist I mean the thing is it's like that's the other thing that I was taking issue like I didn't decide I hadn't decided when I got here whether or not we would talk about Aziz Ansari but like that article like caping for like brown people versus white college dudes i was like this is just so fucking weird basically talking about how literally like we're not done talking about like like thick necked white jocks like why are we attacking brown people oh yeah that's like an actual take that is occurring and now i've like breathed life life into it by telling you guys about it but um so i mean talking about ethical sex just to throw this out there just as like an incendiary ignition point, but like, can you have ethical sex with your boss ever? Um, probably not. Right. I mean, so Audrey Wallen, this like artist and academic, she did that meme, like girls own the void. Mm, Oh my God. Yeah. All time. Great. Yeah. She's cool. She tweeted this the other day where she was like, it's really interesting to see, mainstream discourse run up into like classic feminist stalemates like how can you have straight sex um because of like the imbalance of power and I've been thinking about that a lot because it is like it is like a a 
like an age old sort of like feminist and especially like queer feminist question and like as a queer person like you know like that's like the same it's like the same it's in the same line of that like can you have sex with your boss ethically well can you have sex with men ethically Mm -hmm. like is it possible so you know i i I don't have an answer to that but what what do you think alice you definitely don't have sex with your boss (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) like just don't do it or like even i mean you can always get another job. That's true. You can go somewhere else. I feel like the only time where I'm okay with it is in like sitcoms where like it's only constructed as like a plot point to keep two people apart. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, well, Leslie and Ben should be together on Parks and Rec. And like, yes, technically he's her boss. But like outside of that situation, like in real life, no. Because like what yeah. human can ever divorce themselves from like the incentives or yeah. like the, the power dynamic? Um, and there's just so much like... In terms of like collateral within your own company, mm-hmm. like even if it's fine for the two people involved, like it's probably not fine yeah. for anyone else around them. Yeah, the blast radius is always fucked up. It's like huge, yeah. huge. And I do feel like I, I am definitely of an age where I've, you know, I tweeted about this really long time ago about getting lunched. Mm-hmm. This whole thing yeah. of like, man, I've wasted so much time sitting across from a dude where it takes me way too long. To have it dawn on me that this married guy, like, isn't going to give me a job mm-hmm. or, like, an assignment or, like, anything. And a lot of the time, you know, it's over drinks or over a meal. And, like, you know, fuck it. Like, sometimes I've definitely, like, leaned into the darkness just to, like, huff the, like, just to, like, huff the human off gas of, like, their own dissatisfaction. But, like, I don't know. Like, it just. I appreciate that you own that. No, I full, fully, yeah. fully own that. Yeah. And actually, like. To that point, you know, I've been having a conversation with myself about consent. And obviously mm. there's so many conversations and hot takes to the warm takes, the lukewarm take to the tepid take, whatever, about what consent means. And as a person who is like really dissociative a lot of the time um, and, and talking about like performing yourself mm-hmm. and like all this stuff, mm-hmm. like there's a conversation that I wish I knew to have with myself regarding consent. And like, I wrote two of the sample questions, which are, are you using this person as an instrument of self-harm? And also, are you drunk enough to confuse proximity with this person of power as an opening to slice off their skin and wear their face in the office on Monday? Because, yeah, like for me personally, like I've definitely been like, okay, you're in like a weird glittery dark place and I am fully just leaning into it because I really want some blunt force trauma right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, so then where where's the consent conversation there? Like, I do feel like there almost has to be an interrogation of self as to like what your motivations are in any given moment that is way beyond only yes means yes and no means no. I think um, this is a conversation that like, sexual violence sort of like counselors have been having for a long time just like the fact that that we need more nuances around talking about consent um but i think yeah like it's 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 not so like cut and dried right like we have sex for a lot of different reasons and the problem or one of the problems is that there's so much shame around talking about desire mm-hmm. that 
everything kind of becomes warped once you go like it's like you put something in the box and then it comes out it's like a different color and a different <laughs> shape and you don't even know like what like you can, like the frame yeah. of reference is totally different because you're just like oh well, I don't know like I don't talk about this I don't know what my needs are um and then you know you have like a whole generation of like college students who have all essentially date raped each other over and over right um yeah it's pretty it's bad so I mean, I, this is like the stupidest thing, but I and it like humans can't ever partake in this. But I almost wish like in accordance with like the whole lunched thing, I wish there was like a reprieve where you could almost be like, hey, yo, like, will you break character just for like 10 minutes and tell me <laughs> if you can give me the thing that I want? And then it's a yes or no. And then wherever this goes after that is just where it goes. Like, I really wish you could just like be like, that'd be the dream. Like, can you give me this or nah? And then I can decide whether or not I am actually attracted to you or if you're just holding this thing that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be really great, but it's not happening. But yeah, I mean, I would like for it to, to occur. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people like I have definitely like leaned into other people's dark shit. And we're also like operating within a system where like you kind of can't avoid using the dark shit for your own gain. Totally. And being smart kind of sucks because like I do this thing where like if I'm fucked up enough and this is why I don't get fucked up anymore. But like if I'm fucked up enough and I just see your marrow with like what I feel to be like kind of like like a patent like accuracy, I will poke you there just to see what the fuck happens. And like we also like traumatize each other all the time. And some of like sometimes in New York, that's just like for sport, I feel mm-hmm. like. And mm-hmm. like I've definitely like injured men just to poke them in their soft bit, like mm. to do it. And like, you know, we were just talking about the, the Twitter thread um, from Andy J. Christopher, the author, about how other people are surprised that most of her um, sexual encounters have been kind of fucked up. And it's like and we were just talking about how. I guess counter to like your public facing performative self, your actual sexual self could be. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. And the other thing about the Aziz article that really struck me is that it didn't sound fun for him either. And I know that's definitely like not the tack to take on that. That's not the takeaway, but like, I can't help but wonder what's up with like his idea of desire at this point. Well, it's sort of, I don't know. I when I was younger, like I would fuck not anyone. Like, <laughs> like I definitely had like a lot of sex that wasn't great. Oh my god. Um, just like an anecdote because it's funny. We don't have to keep this in, but I just remember like being so angry after a party once that I like this guy had been trying to go home with me the whole night. I was trying to go home with someone else. Didn't work out for me. So I like turned to this other guy who saw it all went down, who saw it all going down. And I was just like, okay, well that didn't work. So you want to go home together. And I like went to his place. So everyone had like capitulation sex. Like. Yeah. I just like, I went to his place. Like I didn't even like him. Like I, I didn't let him like touch me. I was just like, we're going to do a doggy and then I'm going to go home. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was so abject. It was like so terrible. Um, and like, that's like, I think there's this, there's this association with sex where it's just like, well, if you can get it, you probably should. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that like 
drives so much of this like bad sex. But you know, maybe he was just like, well, I got a but, live girl. So. No, but that's also the the other thing about sex, and like that totally applies to women too. That it yeah. it really is like you know they talk about like pussy affluenza in the in the age of Tinder, but like it goes both ways. Yeah, like you're like this pizza, fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't know, but like yeah. I think the problem really is, is that there's so much bad sex happening. Mm -hmm. And well, we all feel pressured. I think this is like, I, I see this as being symptomatic of sex positive femininity, plus like living in New York and like, um, like being a young person in New York, um, like whatever who goes out. And anyway, all these qualifiers are like, are just ticking for my main point, which is that like <laughs> everyone ex assumes you're fucking all the time. Like, you're just supposed to be, like, doing it all the time. Like, either you're, like, in a relationship and then you have to be doing it all the time in your relationship. Or you're single and you, like, have to be doing it all the time because you're in New York and, like, what else would you do? Right. So, like, there's no, there's just, like, this expectation. And I feel like it makes a lot of people really unhappy. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's, like, there's been this conversation about how, like, first base, second base, third base, like, all of that. How, like, for men it's been gamified and the whole... Um, context has always be, been like that women are the gatekeeper and that, that it's just like the zero sum thing that women don't want it, but men do. And then mm -hmm. they're, they're taught and conditioned and we're taught and conditioned and we're always at cross purposes. But I think the true moral is that you're right. Like, I think it's like sex is pretty much gamified for everyone. Like mm -hmm. where we're just kind of like, okay, or like it's, whatever, or like yeah. shrug emoji or. It's also like, just like, it's like, um. It's like almost like a routine. It's rote. Yeah. It's like going to the gym. It's like, well, I guess I have to have sex. <laughs> yeah. Like, and actually, speaking of that, like it does make things like Sex Diary in, in New York Magazine. like They're so boring. They're oh my so God. boring. They're all so bad. Every single one is so bad. They're so boring. No. And I think that like I feel like almost like sex just needs like a branding makeover or something like what is up with all the fucking shitty sex we're having mm -hmm. like I didn't until my relationship with my person currently we had to have a discussion where I it finally dawned on me and again I was born a very long time ago that I had never had sex sober ever and first of all I'm like wow okay like you know red flag for me <laughs> but also I was just like it's never too late to learn about yourself yeah no kidding right um, super fun. Uh, but I was like, wow. And like dead ass, like then ergo, like, you know, ipso facto, how good could the sex have been, mm -hmm. you know, up mm -hmm. until this point? So what do you think, what are like action items in terms of like making everyone have, like helping people to have better sex? I mean, I'm, this is such an interesting conversation for me because I'm just not having any sex. Okay. Um, and it feels and like it's lit or what? Well, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's lit, but like it's, I think, I mean, I moved to New York and was mm -hmm. like, okay, like, yes, this is going to be like, you know, um, what life is like in New York is everyone's fucking all the time. Um, and I'm going to like step out of JFK and drop a bag and someone's going to pick it up for me and it's going to be the romance, you know? Um, but like I realized kind of recently, like. I don't want to, I think it was because I like made out with this 
gross guy at this gross club. Did you cat person yourself? I'm I kidding. haven't read cat person. <laughs> oh, I have not read cat that's person. That's a huge favor to do for yourself, yeah, actually. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good short I love story. giving myself presents. And <laughs> I was at a wedding that weekend, and I was like, you know what? I'm totally fine with just missing this entire conversation. Nice. Um, but I like made out with just a gross guy at a bar, and like there was this other guy who was touching me, and I was like, oh, my God. I don't know you, dude. You're, like, old. And, like, why am I just letting this guy touch me because I'm in a bar and that's what you're supposed to do? Like, Mm -hmm. you should have to earn that shit. And I kind of just was like, okay, I don't want to do anything with anyone unless I, like, really, 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 really want them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I... I feel like it's almost kind of like, you know, we were just talking about how much we, like, Tumblr again mm-hmm. now that like Twitter burns so much and Instagram has always burned but like in that same way it's like I feel like not being like you know what I'm gonna opt out of like all the bullshit and like not reading Twitter and not reading cat person I feel like that's like the making zines of like hookup culture or you know what I mean yeah. or like or like romance or love or sex or something where you're just like let me just push a very very sizable pause button on this and like there's there was some twitter thread i read recently from a romance novel author who was saying talking about the current moment and saying like people say that romance novels are unrealistic because it's all about like a woman's pleasure and in like straight romance novels it's like men prioritizing that and she's like you know what maybe it is unrealistic actually but i think it's kind of nice to like choose to live in that world mentally and be like i'm i'm not like, this is the world that I want to create for myself. Yeah. And, like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm just going to opt out of, like, you know, having fun, crazy stories to tell, which, like, would be fun. And, like, maybe I am missing out. But, like. I think not having mm-hmm. FOMO about it RN is maybe, like, not the worst look. I think, yeah, if, if it's, like, a decision coming from your heart, I think that's awesome. Like. Also, I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't think so either. Like, like I, that's I the think, other part I of it. I believe in love. I, I'm, I'm gonna saying. say. I'm gonna say it on air. <laughs> I believe in love too, and I believe that I will like have that. You yeah. know, that person will come along, and it and they'll be psyched, and they're just like, oh, like this is the thing you like. Like that. That's the other thing. It's like when you get to be my age, and when you get to have experience the incredible privilege of falling, like completely crazy in love with someone and having sex being this like awesome thing where you're like holy shit it's like it's like you know like we can do this for each other to ourselves like (laughs) that's just like such a rad thing and like it definitely exists and it's Mm -hmm. like I don't know. It's like it's almost like having someone brain dump on you after a hard day and they feel so much better afterwards. Like for me personally, like sex is like the same thing. It's like listening to someone. It's just such a wonderful part of being human. And I know that makes me sound so emo, but like it's like, you know, like having a soul and having thumbs like it makes sex cool like Mm -hmm. and it's it's really expansive and it doesn't even have to be like monogamous, but it's just like. I don't know. It's like just a level that like human beings are very capable of. I I was thinking about like how good sex can be when I was um I was reading some it was like an article I think on the stranger like some like a like someone on my timeline linked to it and they were like this take is really bad and the point of this is not that 
Um, Because it was, like, from a queer perspective. And, like, it was this woman writing about, like, girlfriends and, like, being, like, oh, yeah, like, bad sex. It's, like, just bad. Like, that's it. Um, And I was, like, why do we all feel like we have to subject ourselves to bad experiences? Mm -hmm. Like, and why do we insist that younger people have to subject themselves to the same thing? Like, I think a lot about college campuses, um, partly because, like, I was a college student not not so long ago still. Um, and I, I think about, like, how that culture is changing and how, like, I guess, yeah, like, washed older feminists are, like, kind of behaving in a really reactionary way. And also that. pretending almost that, like, you guys have to go through this gauntlet, yeah. before you, gauntlet before you can, like, level up to, like, something, like... Like, really, the one thing I really want you guys to know, and it, it's so dumb because you guys clearly know, is, like, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't. And I don't understand when people, like, write in a paper that gets published that they want everyone to suffer the same way they did. Yeah. It's, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, I like, I tweeted this out. I was just like, have you ever had good sex? Like, it's nice. You, you might want to try it. Like, because, I, I don't know, like, sex is, like, it's a really awesome thing it can also be a really normal regular thing that like maybe isn't great sometimes um but it's you know it's there's just so much I wouldn't say stigma around it but there's just so much like mysticism around like so many things that aren't the act but like related to the act that like we lose sight of the fact that like being like physically intimate with another person is like really magical. Yeah, it's rad. Yeah, like I sound so like it's good like... for you. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it. It's like yeah. Um, so just changing course a bit. Um, for both of you, what is your like proudest professional accomplishment so far? Oh Jesus! It's not like what is like the superlative empirically like bestest thing or like. The thing that got the most whatever is mm-hmm. like, l- mm-hmm. let's like completely divorce ourselves yeah. from this like metrics game. Um, I think for me, it's actually what we were talking about earlier. I think it's that I I managed to like by by doing things that I only wanted to do and doing only the things that like I really cared about. Um, people know exactly what I do and like what I write like and like what the way that I write And, like, today, actually, like, I tweeted that I was leaving my job and that I was going to be up for freelance stuff, so, like, please assign things to me. And, like, a couple people quote-tweeted me, and they were just like, yeah, like... And they had, like, really sensitive reads of, like, what it is that I do. And I just felt so observed and so understood. And, like, I feel like I just... Like, I don't know how I managed to do that, but I feel so grateful that, like whatever that like that weird thing that I'm doing like has connected to people and like people see it and they like recognize it like it was it was really cool like I was just like oh my god like that is, that is what I do <laughs> thank you you know it's really nice it is yeah. like you are a pretty singular person in what you do and it's it's yeah I'm so glad that you feel seen and received like another part of like, I feel like I'm in like 12 step or something sometimes <laughs> where I'm like, sometimes I'm like part of this conversation. I was like, I did really want to know about like indictments or like things in which I can actively, people like me could do to make things better. Mm. Um, so Alice, tell me about your favoriteest or proudest professional mm-hmm. moment. I don't, I mean, I feel like I haven't had that many professional moments mm-hmm. so far. Um, you're here and you're still here, which is not. Yeah. 
you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I mean, all of the times that I've just, like, been disassociating at work and, like, no one noticed, <laughs> <laughs> which is, like, bad, probably, like, because, um, like, you should ask for help, but, like, I'm really good at hiding it, so, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know, like... What's the thing you made that made you happy? Oh, man. There's, like, a couple of radio stories that I made in college that I made just because, like, I wanted to. Yeah. And I knew that, like, they weren't going to get made unless I, unless I like, just did it um, and, like, totally skipped class and, like, drove to a different city and, you know, um, it was it was an immigration case that happened with this couple and um, I, like, got up and drove to um, his hearing in Charlotte, which was, like, two and a half hours away, mm-hmm. um, not trying to, like, make myself sound like a martyr. It was just, like, but it, it was, like, you know, just, like, waking up early, like, driving, like, making the decision that, like, I'm going to cover this story mm-hmm. for this paper um, and being there to, like, see him get released and to see him and his boyfriend reunite. And then they got, like, married the next weekend and, like, just that feeling of, like, it felt like a huge privilege to have like been able to like be a witness to this moment in this person's life. Um, and it was, it was just a moment where I was like, I like extremely lucky that like these people let me into their home and like, let me talk to them. Do you feel like you can make space for yourself to do that in New York? I guess like what's preventing you? Um, I think, well, all my radio gear was stolen, um, so I don't have, like, a kit. Um, so what do you need? Just, like, a, like a professional recorder and, like, a shotgun mic. And I have I do have headphones. Um, so I, like, probably should get around to, like, buying a new kit so I can actually go and make stories on my own. Um, but I've... I how, have, much, how much does a new kit cost? Um, used, like... I don't know. Brady people are going to, whatever number I should, like throw out, they're going to be like, that's wrong. Um, uh, fuck those people. <laughs> but like, I think probably like around $500 in the okay. neighborhood of that okay. amount. Like, right. depends on what the gear is and how used it is. But Okay, right on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the reason why I wanted to ask you guys about like your proudest professional moment and all that stuff is because it's so weird, but like, our lives don't like pass the Bechdel test anymore like we're always talking about Mm. men oh Mm -hmm. Jesus you know what I mean and like I find that to be kind of like just troubling yeah (laughs) and of course it's because of Trump but like yeah what do you guys just pie in the sky like wish were better now I'm gonna like start spiraling out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I I think I I think it's I mean I'm like coming off of like a full work day where I like was I was working on a report about like deadly violence, but I always like my brain always does this thing where it just starts circling the drain. It's just like well like this needs to change and this needs to change and this needs to change and all this needs to change, and you like get down to the bottom of everything. You're like well colonialism and white. <laughs> have to die and we right, have to right, like right. end the carceral state and like we need you know and, right, like, right, and right, all right, of a right. sudden you know like you're like somewhere else mm-hmm. um what's this okay so like to focus because we all are like 
just like will fly out of our bodies into <laughs> outer space at yeah. the slightest provocation. My brain is like over here. No, I, I have like a slightly narrow answer. That's yeah, not. What's a narrow answer for you? Um, my narrow answer is if we could have good sex ed like early. Oh yeah. On. Early, I feel like that would fix so many things. Education is what I, what I was gonna say actually when you were like, what do you think would make it better? Um, that was what I was gonna yeah, say. Like elementary school and just get better, started. Better communication. Too. Yeah, and just like I, and like friendship with the gender or of people you're fucking or just like I don't know like we're not all that different like especially if you get us early enough I feel Mm -hmm. like definitely with sex education at a younger age I think there was a line in Moira's um piece about the shitty men in media list where she was like we're sitting around dissecting the like psychology of men who do not even think about our interior lives. Yeah. And that yes. really fucked me up. Me good. too. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. just to have a, like a deeper sense. And I think this goes across like white people like myself and like across like, you know, race and class and all of those things, but just like a genuine curiosity of what it's like to, for other people to be in their bodies. Yeah. Like to just have like an interest in yeah, like yeah. what someone's experience <laughs> No, is. I know. I love that we can spend all this time with memes like, oh my God, that's crazy with like, what color is a dress? Or even like, how does a dog put on pants? Where it's like, that blows my mind. Or like read receipt versus like red receipt. <laughs> so we know that everyone is like different, but then that's just like, we just have no exploration of like what that experience might possibly be. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I actually also tweeted about you know just because like conversation about sexual assault and everything is feels so third rail for a lot of dudes so i mm-hmm. was just like let's talk pay parity like mm-hmm. we're, we're at the point where sex is so fucking everywhere that even talking about money as a consolation price feels more <laughs> comfortable and safe mm-hmm. for everyone That's so funny but it really does it yeah. really does and so yeah. that was like a thing that i a lot of men have been reaching out to me being like I am down to talk to whomever about how much money I make. And like, there's like been a lot of meetings around me mm-hmm. where that conversation is finally coming out. And so pay parity and wage, like closing that wage gap between um, genders in, in the workplace is a very clinical and like actionable thing that can be done. Like, can you think of anything else other than the, the sex ed thing, which is a really good point. Yeah, actually, pay parity was was what I was going to say, just like on this topic. Also, or even just like, um, oh, related to that, like, um, like, just as an industry media and as like a writer of text that remains text throughout um, and does not change form or transmute, I feel like the rate is just so low still. like it's just like like the amount of work that I know friends of mine put into their features and then they still are only getting paid maybe like 500, 600, 700 dollars for like something that really is worth so much more. Yeah. Um and it's not like that in under other industries. Like mm-hmm. um the person that I'm dating right now is a graphic designer. And we're both like thinking, well, I'm going freelance and he probably will um, soon. But um, we were just like, you know, talking about like money. And I was like, oh, like, hey, baby, like, what's your freelance rate? Like, I'm just curious. (laughs) The number he told me, I was just like, oh, my God, like 
never in my life would I ever dream of asking for that much as a writer. Like it just wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to me at all because like media really sets you up to fail if you don't have like a safety net, like, and structurally it's just so unsustainable. And I think it speaks to like a lot of larger problems. Like the fact that like all these websites are dying because yeah. like no one knows how to make money anymore. Well, I was actually tweeting you know? about that today because like everyone's so fucking busy, like, making so like everyone wants to go into the news business which is incredibly expensive and the appetite for news is such that people are making news up as we know mm-hmm. but meanwhile no one is doing anything to underwrite just like the cultivation of voices mm-hmm. which is firmly the camp in which you fall i feel and so like yeah i i too would like to really get rich and just start like scholarshipping like a fucking fuck ton people um yeah, that's the dream that is I've really like, the dream. i've like moved fully into like fellowship and grants territory that's a good territory too like, though i just i've been telling everyone who like isn't uh like a hard news reporter i'm like if you're thinking of writing a book like do do a book do a book it's more sustainable absolutely yeah. and then speaking engagements charge for them and do all of that stuff yeah um so what are you guys doing for self-care right now other than like not reading the things if possible um i've been writing in my journal a lot more often mm-hmm. and going to church has been helpful um and I think I've been calling my friends a lot more recently. Like I just, I called one of my best friends from school who's still in school and like just to like check up on her because she's, I mean, everyone's just like having a hard time. Yeah. Um, and it was hard because she asked me, she was like, well, does it get better after like, you graduate and get into the workforce? And I was like, <laughs> um, uh, but um, just like checking in on your friends and yeah. like, I feel like that's the only like real thing that we have is mm-hmm. to just like hold on to the people that you care about. What mm-hmm. about you? Yeah, I have like really, really wonderful friends and like a really like super supportive like um I guess a person. Um but I also uh have been teaching myself how to code. Um, yeah, I read that on your thing. I was just like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, I've been teaching myself, like, really simple front-end web stuff. So, like, um, HTML, CSS, like, a little bit of Java when I have to, like, wrestle with something. But I've been I've been using it to make, like, weird net art type stuff. Like, I've been, like, writing poems and then, like, kind of, like, coding interesting ways for them to appear visually Mm. um and like i i was an art student and i haven't painted since i left school um but um i just like found this like like the way i came about it it was like a a lot of different like factors in my life but like now that i somehow have arrived at this place where i'm just like oh like i'm gonna like teach myself some stuff like it's so nice to make something from nothing Mm. like you just sit down you open a file you start typing you like you know, upload it or whatever the fuck you call it. Um, and then you have like a thing, you made a thing. It's like a thing and it like has colors and it changes and there's like text and like, um, and it's like, for me, it feels like problem solving because I spend so much of my day like in the world of like words and syntax and language that it's really refreshing to just like go and like type something that like hardly resembles English and like do like 
weird kind of mathy things. Like it's just like a completely different part of my brain and it's it's so good. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing. It's like therapy. <laughs> I'm also in therapy. Yeah. 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 That helps. I, I, like, oops, sorry. Yeah. I was just it's the best thing that I've like done for myself. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so 30 seconds each to plug something. Can I just say, like, people should should hire me? Yeah, like, when are you? So you're freelance I'm, ASAP. Like. Yeah, I'm freelance. Basically, I can start taking things, like, right now. And what is the best way that you like people to bother you about freelancing um, for them? Please email me at larissa.fam at gmail.com. Um, I love, like, I, I just love getting assignments. Um, I'm going to do it my way, so, like, be prepared. But. <laughs> no, you know what? I also do it my way. Like It's going to be weird. Yeah, it's like, do you want me to pull a me or not? Because I, I don't do other things. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, what about you, Alice? Um, you can certainly hire me um, for radio work, um, and you can find me at... Oh, fuck. I don't know. Cut this. Um, <laughs> I feel weird giving my email because my email is my full name, uh-huh. and so it feels like such a... Just say it, dude. Lean into it. Her email is her full name. My email is alicewilliamswilder at gmail.com. Okay. There's two other Alice Wilders. Um, and I have a newsletter for interns called Intern Weekly. It's on Tiny Letter. And I send out internship opportunities, only paid ones, and <laughs> give advice and, like, am low-key trying to build, like, an intern union army, like, unofficially. Casual. That's <laughs> oh awesome. Gosh. That's amazing. That's a public good. You And you just brought this up now. That's amazing. I'm so, yeah. <laughs> so great. I'm so glad. So we're going to work on your issues with humility, <laughs> like, your, your crippling <laughs> issues of humility. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming by. I'm so, so happy to talk to both of y'all. Thank you. Yay. Fun. Bye.